Hey everybody, my name is James Shepard and I'd like to welcome you to the Merchant Sales Podcast. I have just loved doing this podcast. Uh, it's been almost two years actually now that we've been doing this thing and it's been so much fun. Today, before we get to the Insider's Report with Patty and the questions from the field, I want to talk to you today about feet on the street or callers in the seat. Feet on the street or callers in the seat. I believe in direct sales in this industry. In fact, I told my team of employees uh, at the beginning of the year that our number one mission, our objective for the year was simply to help make merchant sales more competitive, more competitive with Square, more competitive with Stripe, more competitive with other ISVs and technology companies and disruptors. I believe that direct sales still holds a unique and competitive position in the payment space because small business owners do respond to direct sales when it's done correctly. So we're going to walk through four direct sales models today, three that work, one that doesn't. And I'm going to talk to you about the unique challenges and give you some tips about how to leverage these. And so no matter how you're doing direct sales, or maybe you're not, I hope that this information will be valuable to you as you're trying to sell more merchant accounts. So let's talk a little introduction here so you know what we're going to cover. We're going to talk about selling door-to-door merchant services, cold calling door-to-door. Then we're going to talk about phone selling, calling over the phone, cold calling over the phone to make sales. Then we're going to talk about scheduling appointments over the phone for salespeople in the field. Then we're going to talk about scheduling appointments over the phone for a closer on the phone. Okay, those are the four models. So let's just dive in and let's talk about these unique models and how they work or don't work. So I want to start with door to door. And I really have a special place in my heart for the rep that's out there just walking down the street, walking into businesses, cold turkey and making sales because I made a bunch of sales that way. I probably sold three, 400 merchant accounts doing that. And I really believe in it. But I do have to say something here. And that is, I believe that that methodology has now become the model of the three that requires the highest level of sales skill. If you're looking to get your reps out in the field, cold turkey, just walking into businesses to sell them, you need to understand that they are going to have to have sales skill coming out their ears. They're going to have to understand what they're doing. And I'll talk about some unique challenges there, but I want to zoom out for just a second. And within the context of door to door, I want to talk about, I want to make a statement that some of you might bristle at and you might disagree with me and that's fine. Um, I want to make the statement that in this industry, when it comes to direct sales, I want to say that the numbers game is dead. The numbers game is dead. What do I mean by this? What I mean is if you have a model, whether it's door to door, over the phone, appointment scheduling, whatever it is, if you have a model predicated on let's take salespeople who don't know what they're doing and let's get them to interact with a lot of merchants with the understanding that they're going to end up making a few sales along the way just as a result of sheer brute force effort, that model is dead. It doesn't work anymore. Okay? Now, you might be able to burn through some reps and get that model to work. What I mean by that is you might be able to recruit reps and sure enough, they might be able to bring you one or two or three deals in a month 
and that's not going to support them. So they're going to have to quit and leave the industry. And then you got a few merchant accounts. So if you're talking about the model of just burning through sales reps, wasting their time, um, that's it. I'm not covering that on this podcast because I'm against that like passionately against it. Um, this is still a great opportunity in this industry for passionate sales professionals, but this idea of just go play the numbers game, just do your thing, you know, it'll all work out okay. No, it really won't. It just doesn't work anymore, okay? Why is that? Well, there's a couple of forces at play here. The first one is just sheer competitive force. I mean, you know, when industries have been around for 20, 30, 40 years, the prospects are beaten up a little bit, you know, like some of you've been in the industry for 20 or 30 years and you don't understand that, you know, maybe it's for some of you, maybe it's literally been 10 years since you were selling in the, in the field or you're selling on the phone and you're trying to give your salespeople advice that was great advice for you 10 years ago, but it's not anymore because in those 10 years, those merchants have been approached, you know, 300 times by a merchant services provider. They've been called twice a day, every day by a merchant services provider. So this idea that you're going to just play this numbers game and just brute force it out, it just doesn't work anymore, okay? So how do we sell that if we go out door to door? Well, the way we sell out door to door is that we are very assumptive and we have a very specific sales presentation process, okay? Now, there's a lot of things you can do. You can be targeted. You can go after a specific vertical. You know, I'm going to go out door to door. I'm going to go to all the auto repair shops and talk about our auto repair solution. Or I'm going to go to all the hair salons and I'm going to demo the Clover Mini and the, the appointment scheduling that it has. Or I'm going to go to all the fine dining restaurants and I'm going to demo Mint and the unique, you know, uh, table service that it has or whatever. Yes, all those things are interesting ideas. The key, though, is the salesmanship. Okay? Sales skill. You've got to get back to that. I made a video recently on YouTube called uh, Where Have All the Salespeople Gone? And, you know, it's this idea that in our industry, we've really devalued sales skill because for so long, it was like effort was all you needed, you know, like just go work really hard, you know, that's all you've got to do. You can make it happen. Just go work really hard. And what I'm seeing over and over and over again is that this concept that all you need to do is work hard, it does not work anymore. You have to work hard than you've ever worked and you have to have more sales skill than you've ever had. And so you've got to be at the top of your game. Your salespeople have to be at the top of their game. You know, the sales skill matters and especially when you're out door to door cold calling. So if you're going to just throw people out in the field um, door to door and they, they do not have that sales skill at the highest level, you're just really wasting your time. You really have got to be focused on training, 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 training. It's not just about motivation anymore. It's that's there. You got to give, you know, they got to put the effort in, obviously, but it's more than that now. It's sales skill. Okay. Let's think back to Tom Hopkins, Brian Tracy, right? Like, let's get back to the basics of you got to sell. All right. Number two, let's talk about selling over the phone, meaning I am going to cold call somebody and I'm going to do a one call close of a merchant on the phone. So I'm going to have salespeople and their job is to cold call merchants and sell them. Okay. Now uh, it is my opinion that that model uh, is largely dead. That model just does not work very well anymore. Now you can certainly set up multiple calls and I'll talk more about that in a second, but as far as I want to bring on somebody and their job is just to cold call merchants and sell them. That model is, I am not, I guess let me put it this way. I'm not seeing it successful 
at ISOs that I work with. It's just not working. Um, individual agents that are trying it, it's not working for them. And this just really goes back to the fact of, you know, the phone has really been saturated in the merchant services industry. Now, a model that I have seen work, and the third one we'll talk about here is setting up appointments for closers on the phone, okay? So this is where we are, you know, we have one caller who's calling people and then that caller is setting up an appointment for another caller. Now you might say, well, James, why does that one work but not so much the other one? And it's really one word and the word is qualification, okay? Another way to look at it is scarcity. This idea is if you want to get people on the phone and you want to grab their attention on the phone, you have to make your program highly targeted and it has to be a program where the merchant wants to qualify for the program. If you are not implementing scarcity, it's not going to work very well. What I mean by this is instead of calling up a merchant and pitching them what you have to offer, you have to call them up, You know your, your appointment scheduler calls them up to see if they might qualify for a consultation with a professional, okay? So again, I'm not gonna get into specifics. There's so many ways to apply this. I've done it a million different ways. Every call center is different. Every ISO is a little different. You know, I've helped people set it up for a, you know, a, a Clover demo, you know, on a remote demo or a, what? I mean, there's just a million things, you know, cash discounting, whatever. There's so many different things. But the general idea is the opening and the pitch with the appointment scheduler is all about scarcity and qualification. Do you qualify? Because if you want to get people on the phone, you're not going to really like sell people over the phone anymore as much. The idea is you can get them interested to where they want to learn more. Then you get them over to a phone uh, a closer, you know, a closer. But now that closer, instead of it being that closer calling and having no leverage, you know, and trying to do the cold call themselves, what's happened is there's a different psychological effect that happens when one person schedules a call for you with someone else, almost like a gatekeeper in reverse. Um, and so it's like your appointment scheduler needs to be like the gatekeeper for the closer. And so it's a very different mentality. And, and again, a lot of call centers are still in this older mentality of, you know, outdated mentality of, well, we're just going to, you know, we're just going to call and, and we're just going to try to sell people on talking to our, to this person. No, that's a really, that's a very grueling numbers game. It's not a good idea. Instead, call people and let's see if they qualify. So make it highly targeted. You know, use their business type in the script. Use their location in the script. Um, maybe talk about your specific solution in the script a little bit. But the idea is you're calling because you think they might qualify. You have some qualifying questions to ask. If they pass the test, then you're going to set them up with a scheduled appointment with somebody else on the phone who's going to call. Now, once they get to that person, then the real challenge becomes paperwork. Um, it's it's surprisingly easy actually to get people to say yes on the phone once you have an appointment um, because usually they're interested in it if you did it right. Um, but then it's like you got to get that paperwork done, and so you really need to leverage you know solutions like DocuSign, but not just regular DocuSign. DocuSign with templates and web forms, and you really need to get creative about making it as smooth as possible. And where you have to train your people is how to how to how they can work with the prospect on the phone to get this paperwork process completed while they're on the phone with them. This idea that you're going to send paperwork out and people are magically going to complete it, um, that also doesn't seem to work very well. Okay, so we talked about three of them. What's the fourth? Well, the fourth is calling to schedule appointments for salespeople in the field. 
Okay. Now, just like the last one I talked about, this one can be very effective. Um, but again, we're leveraging scarcity. We're leveraging this idea of qualification. You know, we have a representative that will actually physically come out to your place of business to do X, Y, or Z, to demo this machine, to, you know, whatever. Now, you know, do you qualify? And that's the whole concept. Now, the, the difference here is um, when these, when the, you know, we're scheduling the sales representative to come out, we have to make sure that there is an absolute alignment between the language that the, the script and the language that the telemarketer or the appointment scheduler is using. There has to be absolute alignment between their approach and between the sales representative's approach when they walk into the business. You know, this is not hard with the, the model we covered a second ago because usually these people are sitting in the same room, they're having the same trainer. But when you're doing appointment scheduling leads for people that are outside in the field, many times those are independent contractors or they're W-2 employees that are not at your location. They don't have the same training. They may not know what's going on. And so it's very crucial to get the alignment. They need to know what you're presenting because in order to get a good response with appointment scheduling, you have to be very specific. You know, you're not going to get appointments anymore by calling, you know, hundreds of business owners and saying, hey, we can save you money on credit card processing. Would you like to meet with our sales rep? You're just going to get no's all day long. But if you're calling with a very specific offer because we're calling, you know, we're calling hair salons in, you know, the, the Las Vegas area and we want to come out to do, you know, to talk to you about our special scheduling software, like that's different. Like you have to do something with, it doesn't have to be ISV. It can definitely be other things. It can be regular payment processing, but it has to be specific enough to grab their attention. But if it's going to be specific enough to grab their attention and they want to qualify for it, then when your sales rep comes out, they can't go out there pitching something different. They have to go out full alignment. Hey, you talked to so-and-so, you guys were talking about our scheduling software. I'm here to demo that. And then they have to be trained on how to do that. Like there has to be that alignment. So very quickly today, I've covered four models um, on direct sales because I'm so passionate about direct sales in this industry. I think it has a great future. I love the model. I love the residual. I know, I know we're the only industry that still pays our salespeople long-term for the life of the account in many cases. Um, you know, great. I love that. I don't, you know, that sets us apart. That's where we're going to get the best salespeople. Let me tell you something. If you feel like, well, now it's time to really cut compensation because, you know, as we're scaling up. No, no, no. This is the time when we need to attract the best sales professionals, the most talented salespeople in the country because it's getting harder to sell, right? This is the time where we need the people that have the most sales skills. So the main thing I really want to get across is direct sales is flourishing in this industry and I believe it will continue to flourish for years to come. However, it is becoming more challenging, specifically in the area of sales experience, because the numbers game is dead. And if you really want to be successful, hard work is obviously a requirement, but it's no longer enough. You also have to make sure that you're thinking in terms of sales ability, sales skill. How's my presentation set up? Then you've got to pick your model carefully and understand the unique challenges with that model. Again, my name is James Shepard. If you have questions, feedback, want to get my help for something, just shoot me an email, james at ccsalespro.com, james at ccsalespro.com. Hope you have a terrific day. And now we'll jump into the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by The Green Sheet. For the past 36 years, The Green Sheet has been the go-to source for news, 
analysis, and educational tools that empower and connect payments professionals. If you're not reading the Green Sheet already, check it out on the web today at greensheet.com. So here's an interesting update from SearchX, which is uh, one of the few companies that supports compliant credit card surcharging for card not present mer merchants. Yes. Yeah, very interesting stuff there. Very interesting. The company has uh, just announced a partnership with ModeEffect, which is a consultancy that works with online merchants, that makes surcharging an option for WooCommerce merchants. Which is WordPress. Right. Yep. Correct. Yeah, so there's like... I mean, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's got to be 20% or more yeah. of e-commerce websites are built on WordPress with right. WooCommerce. They because have a huge market share. Huge market share because it's like, you know, the, especially, you know, mom and pops. I mean, right. building your e-commerce site with WordPress is a lot easier a than lot easier you know, and a lot than, cheaper than having the developers do it. It's, exactly. It's, exactly. you know, $500 versus 50000 Right. And uh, and this is just like this. This is the second uh, big deal in a couple in a couple months. Um that SearchX has, has inked. It had a deal with Dial America, which is one of the largest privately held teleservices companies. Oh, okay. Dial America. I don't know about that one. Yeah, they um, they count as customers 25% of the top health plan providers in the country. You know, so they're the guys that call up and sign up cons customers and handle inbound and outbound customer service calls for the insurance companies. Oh, for like health insurance. Health, health insurance. Really? Yeah. Okay. You know, like interesting for folks, uh, you know, that do the, you know, this. It, it, we're recording this in December, and uh, you right. know, March, uh, November through December, you had to sign up for your health click care yes, plan. Yes, I just year. I just signed up for mine a couple days ago. Yeah, yeah, I just finished my work up about a week or two ago. Right. And you know, I don't know about you, but I was getting tons of phone calls from health plans oh sign up with our plan sure. sign up with our okay. plan these are the people that do that they do that okay okay interesting so, yeah right. yeah very I, I, you know what so basically they're going to do surcharging on premiums is that the idea right okay right so um and that's the dial america and the other thing with this mode effect is for you know the e-commerce e-commerce and i mean to me it's like all of this just basically means consumers are becoming more and more accustomed to seeing surcharges exactly exactly yeah. you know and we've talked about this in the past but it probably you know bears repeating sort of the difference between surcharging and cash discounting sure so i just wanted to you know for yeah, for sure. folks that are new out there sure. or whatever you know as the term implies a cash discount is a discount given when a customer pays with cash you know, under card brand rules, the posted prices are supposed to be the full price charge when the transaction involves a card. Well, let me let me let me back you but up one second that, though, because yeah, you know. know how I disagree. I know with how this. you disagree with this. So, so, that's why I was gonna so <laughs> the language does not say that the posted price. It says that the price that the consumer is informed is the regular price. Correct. Okay. It I does was, not say the method in which they are informed. Uh, that's true. And then I was hoping that you would you would <laughs> yes. interject. Now, of course, that. Visa would agree with you. Right. Of course. I, and again, I yes. had to take. I took that off a of Visa site knowing <laughs> you the knew I would interrupt you. Me, you knew right. I would interrupt you there. Oh, so go ahead. Go uh, ahead. But of course. But of course. <laughs> but that's okay. You know. And anyway, the prices get discounted right. when the pay yes. when you pay with cash, um, and cash discounting is, is expressly permitted by federal law as under we the talked Durban Amendment. under the Durban Amendment. Right. Okay. And I, and I think it's embarrassing saying that the net effect of this is that it's the financial model is the same as a surcharge. The difference being with most cash discount programs, the service fee or non-cash adjustment or whatever you're doing is going to apply to debit and credit. Correct. And that's, and that's the thing, you know, a surcharge is a fee that's added at the, at the checkout when the car, when a 
credit card issues. Right. Mm-hmm. Not not debit and not prepaid. Not debit, not prepaid. Um, and you know, surcharging is permitted under card brand rules, of course, for credit. Um, and but only for the actual amount of the cost of processing, which is where it gets a little complex. Yes. Okay. Right. And uh, surcharging is currently banned, however, in about six states, I think it is. Colorado, Connecticut, Kansas, Maine, Massachusetts, and Oklahoma. Yes. And and the interesting thing is, I would imagine that this, there's also some very unique rules in a couple of other states. Exactly. But I would think that this WooCommerce thing would not fall under that because, like, for instance, in New York, the, their only thing is you have to show the regular price and the like the, mm-hmm. the standard price and the credit card price right you have to show both of those prices but I would imagine that this integration with search X I would imagine that WooCommerce just does that by default in the shopping cart so it's probably good in New York right and you know and, and just for again to educate our listeners you know New York was had banned surcharging for a very long time yeah and uh, but it was forced to uh, back down earlier in in 2019 following successful challenge to the law by merchants in the state. And I always loved this because it was a free speech issue. Yes, it was. I was. You know, yeah. how do you how do you say how do you state your prices? Right. Well, and what they said was this is they said the Supreme Court, you know, and it was expressions hair design versus right. the attorney general of New York. Right. And they ruled that that the the surcharge ban was not a law regulating pricing. It was a law regulating how you communicate. Communicated your price. It. Yes, exactly. Yes. And, it, and it's true. It, it, is. it, it really yeah. is. You know, so. Yeah. And then what did they do when, it, when they kicked it back to New York? New York said, oh, okay. okay, well, then we'll allow surcharging as long as you communicate it this way. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, anyway. It's like, <laughs> anyway, so surchecks, and I think we interviewed them in the past, didn't we? I think we might have, I think we interviewed wow. them. Wow, my, my memories must be worse than your. I don't know. I thought I, It's had... funny because I was literally just about to say, we got to get them on here to talk about this. And maybe we should get them back on because yeah. I think we interviewed yeah, we them did. in 2018. Yeah, I think, I think it was in 2018. Yeah, okay, time so, to get them back on. Let's, let's get look back, back at our notes here. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> But um, they've developed a solution that integrates with the merchant's online shopping cart and payment processors to assess the appropriate surcharge in real time based on the interchange rates for each card and the laws and regulations of the governing jurisdictions. Sure. Because as we said, although it is legal right. in 44 states in the District of Columbia, right. each state has a yeah. little bit different. Yeah. And I think you'll actually see... Um, I think you'll actually see these remaining six come on board over the next 12 to 18 months, but they're, each one of them is going to have something. A little bit different. Yeah. You know what was funny? I, I don't think we were told you this. I think it's Connecticut. My favorite one is in Connecticut. In Connecticut, there's actually a law that if you uh, – no, wait, not Connecticut. What is it? There's a, it's a different state. Is it Texas? State. Are you t- thinking no, about Texas? No, it's a small state. Oh, okay. Delaware. It's one of the ones that – yeah, maybe it's one of the ones that allows it. <clears throat> but this is funny. The regulation is you have to verbally – uh, you know, oh, <laughs> communicate really? to the customer, which is like, how are you going to regulate that? So like literally to- so what are you going to have like a, like recorders at the point of sale right. or something? So like literally to surcharge legally, I, I'll have to look it up, whichever I just did. Cause I did my, my cash discount surcharge workshops. Mm-hmm. I did all this research and it's like you to, to technically to do it legally there, your cashier, when somebody comes to the counter, they have to say to them, if you pay with a credit card, it will be this price. Oh, wow. You know, like wow. verbally every time, every time. Which Can you no imagine? one does that. It's so stupid. You know, it's like, 
I don't know. That's like that's like making a law that says you know you can't be jealous of someone. It's like well, <laughs> I mean that's a good thing, but you can't regulate that. So right. there's no way to right. And how are you going to train like you know thousands upon thousands <laughs> right? of cashiers? Right. You know, how to say that? Right. Oh, that's stupid. Anyway. Yeah. But well, yeah. So all these rules are very interesting. So SearchX is, is and, and other companies like Cardex, you know, are are serving an interesting uh, right. You know. Right. So, you know, here's what Robert Maynard, he's the founder of SearchX, he said, uh, our quote, our promise is to take the compliance risk out of surcharging. Right. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. And, and, you know, I may be stepping out on a limb here, James, but, I, but you know, I'm going to venture a guess that we're going to hear a, more about credit card surcharging in 2020. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think you're very far out on a limb there. I think that's, uh, I think know, that's I, just I, about a guarantee. It's sort of the, the yin to the cash discounting yang. Yes, and, uh, yes. And 2020, you know, I think, you know, we've, it's sort of been, you know, and it's interesting. I, I will say that um, I was on a panel back in January 2019 um, right. at the um, NEAA. Uh-huh. And they asked me, what do you think, you know, what, what do you think is going to happen with surcharging and cash discounting? Right. And I said, we're going to see tons more cash discounting this year. Right. Now, I was on a panel with MasterCard and Visa. They, you know, you right. could see them verbally like. Right, yeah. So, but I did, did feel that. And I think we did. Which is I, true. It bared out. I would be know? willing to say that probably the number of cash discount merchants in 2019 versus 2018 probably doubled. I was just going to say that. I bet you. I mean, literally. It's yeah. insane. Yeah, it is. And I think we're going to see more surcharging, particularly now that New York, you know, New York, it was in 2019. It takes time for yeah. people to get used to it. You know, it's interesting, and 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 obviously, you know, uh, Maynard and and Jonathan Rossi at Cardex would right. agree with that. And and I, you could be right. I, the one thing that's interesting to me is, I think that this whole surcharging model, unfortunately, is largely predicated on this argument that cash discounting is not compliant, mm-hmm. and that Visa and Mastercard are going to take action against it. Yeah. And I don't think they are. And, I mean, there hasn't been any indication they're going to do anything serious yet. And so the problem is that if they're not going to take action on it, then the rationale for the surcharging is still there. I still believe in it. I mm-hmm. think it's great. Don't get me wrong. I think it's an amazing... I think you should sell both. Right. But I think that it it's the landslide that everybody was expecting on the surcharge side. I don't think that's going to happen until the... Um, government or somebody there has to be somebody that's going to step into the gap and say this is what it is right you can't do it any other way and it, right now it's like all the states and everything it's very complicated i don't know if we're going to see well, that exactly. and i and i think it's really hard because it's sort of that old adage of you know shutting the barn door after the animals have already escaped exactly right and right. and i mean i think for me um the one thing i see that's the downside is the bad press for surcharging you know, when I was researching sure. this, when I was, you know, doing my notes for this, yeah, yeah, I was surprised at how many articles I saw. You know, you know, diners and you know, restaurants in Atlanta are, you know, if you use a card at a restaurant in Atlanta, it's going to cost you more money. Uh, you right, know, New right, York right. is, you know, you know, all right, these right. local publications, right, grousing about surcharging sure whereas cash discounting just sounds better it you know it sounds better but it's funny even it's with, the same thing it I mean. is but even with even with surcharging though i was actually surprised i did a similar research mm-hmm. and i was actually surprised because yes there were the local papers right 
but nobody nationally seems interested no. in it. No, I saw one national thing, and I and it wasn't even like it was like business intelligence or one right. of those. And then like websites. we looked at, we talked recently about the ACLU, you right? Know, the Correct. Report on that and how they that? were in favor. They're in favor of it. And and I, to so, me, that was a big deal. It was. You know. So to me, I just I don't know. I I really. It's just interesting to me. I feel like it's something that businesses love. ISOs and agents love it even more than business owners. Right. Um, surcharging and cash discounting, but cash discounting obviously has some profitability benefits mm-hmm. um, and some simplicity benefits. Well, as that's well, it. It's the simplicity, know? I think. You know. Yeah. So you, you really have to have a partner like a Cardex or a Surchex. To, to do the to, to do, do the, the surcharging, surcharging on any compliant. mammoth scale, sure. and yeah. I mean we shouldn't say. I mean obviously there are now there probably are seven there. or eight that have oh, a very sure. compliant, you know, right. whatever. But um, it's really interesting. Um, I'm trying to get another uh, ISV on here. Uh, well, I mean ISV is the wrong word. It's a gateway, really. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get them on that they have a cash discount and surcharge software that runs on Point Clover oh, uh, e-commerce with yeah. the reseller. So know? it so basically so. can be either one depending on what the merchant whatever feels you, like. Right, whatever you want to sell, and they have the app that makes it compliant and everything. You know, so right. there, there's some, I think 2020 will be a year where, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I, you know, and I hate to say this because again, I've got friends on different sides of this, but I feel like on the surcharging side, there's the there was this big push kind of like, let's get the lead mm-hmm. in surcharging because it is so complicated. Right. And we need to build software that makes it compliant. Mm-hmm. And there's like, let's get this big lead before the avalanche of business comes. But the funny thing is to me, it's like the avalanche actually came on the other side of the mountain yeah. with cash discounting. Right. And I mean, not to say surcharging isn't growing by leaps and bounds, but it's like compared to the cash discount side, not. there's just a lot more growth on that side. Yeah, I agree. So, and I think also, don't you think that surcharging maybe is a little bit more... Um, uh, compatible with certain verticals versus cash discount. Of course, of right? course. Right. Well, and, and I think also they're larger, you know, medium to larger businesses that, frankly, you know, they get it. They they look and go, cash discounting isn't, you know, it, maybe it's compliant, maybe it's not. Nobody really knows. Nobody's really said. And I have ten thousand SKUs that I'm dealing with. Right, and they're right. like, you know, I think we'll go surcharging because we know that's legal. We know it's compliant. Right. We know we can work with these companies to make it work right. So I think there's that back and forth. And and the last thing, of course, is for those that maybe are new to this debate, is that surcharging in some ways can actually be easier to sell. I was just going to say that, yes. Because the only objection you're going to deal with, of course, is my customers are going to hate it. But then you'd have the idea because, the and, and you know, people like the NRF and those mm-hmm. groups have, have made such a big deal about the cost of card acceptance. Right. That everybody, you know, most everybody accepts the fact that, that it, it costs, costs money, money right. to accept a card. And so, therefore, they might right. be a little more willing. More, and they're becoming more and more willing by the day as mm-hmm. things like this WooPay integration, more and more people are seeing this. They're becoming right. more accepted, just like ATM fees. You, you exactly. I like how you, uh, <clears throat> maybe a year ago. Yeah, I made that, an, right, that, that analogy. analogy. And yeah. I think that's a good analogy. It's like we don't even think about that anymore. No, of course you know, not. We pay two, three bucks, get our money. Who cares? It's convenient. We're <clears throat> paying for convenience, right? And I think we're having the same thing with the fees in general. But the one thing about surcharging that does make it more appealing to sell <clears throat> is that the only objection is my customers are going to hate it. But with surcharging, it's like, well, yeah, but then I can say use your debit card. Exactly. Whereas with cash discounting, it's like, well, either you got cash or you don't. Right. And and you know, use your debit card. It's going to be cheaper. And if you don't want to do that, then just pay me with cash. Yeah. Right? So I think we'll be, I'm sure we'll be talking a lot more about this in the coming months. Yeah, so. I think so. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by InstantQuoteTool.com. With over 30 training courses covering everything from sales objections to statement analysis, ISOs are using our learning management system 
to help new agents understand the industry and how to sell merchant services. Industry veterans love our courses because we dive deeper into concepts such as interchange and explore new industry trends like cash discounting, NFC, and the resurgence of American Express with the OptiBlue program. Put all of these training courses together with the leading proposal creation tool for merchant services agents in the field, and we believe our branded ISO solution and individual user package is a must-have. Visit instantquotetool.com today or email support at instantquotetool.com to learn more. So, Patty, it's actually been a little while. I've been covering more topics and mini-series mm -hmm. on this uh, segment. And uh, today I thought I would actually cover a question from the field. Since Excellent it's called idea. questions from the field. Why not, right? <laughs> so today my question uh, comes from Justin. Uh, Justin reached out to me on LinkedIn. And he asked, said he recently started selling merchant services with First Data. He's been walking into businesses. And he says the one issue he's been having is with barber shops and auto repair shops. Uh, and he feels those are tough because how can you talk to an owner while they're cutting someone's hair or working? on a car. Uh, yeah. He also mentions dentist offices and sure. things like that. So before I answer the question, I want to zoom out for just a second for the managers and, and executives on the line and just answer kind of a um, related you know topic here, which is, you know, I think that as a, as a whole, I think the managers I talk to in the industry dramatically underestimate the effect of this kind of thing. Oh, I think so. They would listen. They would hear this question and be like, oh, okay, that's an interesting little question. No, no. Like, what you understand, like in our industry, I talk to them all the time and, and they're like, James, we recruited 100 people and we only got five to stick. Yeah. Why well. did we only get five? This is why, right here. Right? Because 95 of those 100 went out in the field and they ran into an issue like this. Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. should I wear? What should I say? What do I do when there's a line at the register? Right, right. What do I do when the business owner is busy and I don't want to be rude? And it's just mm -hmm. a million little questions like that that pop up. And they don't feel like they should ask a question. It's not like a merchant services question. Right. It's a sales question. It's a prospecting question. But so, it's important. It's very important. Yeah. So I applaud Justin for, for asking this question. And so here's my answer. So I, I actually am going to split these into two different groups. So we have the... Uh, barbershops and auto shops, and then he talks about dentists. So those are I'm going to do the auto shops and barbershops first, and then okay. dentists second, because they're very different reasons. Because you don't like the dentist. I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, you, you always leave the dentist to last, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so as far as auto shops and, and barbershops, so this issue, Justin, is actually an issue of confidence mm -hmm. and, and even, I would say, projecting confidence. So the issue is not that you can't seem to get in contact with the owner. Right. It's that you feel like it's potentially rude to walk up to the owner while they are busy doing something. Right. Sure. Right. Right. Because um, you put yourself in that position and you'd say, yes. right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, even these two are actually slightly different, though. I'm guessing, Justin, the reason you're uncomfortable with the barber has nothing to do with the fact that he's cutting hair. It has to do with the fact that he's cutting the hair of another person. Right. And you feel like it's rude to that person. Mm. Right. To interrupt. Right. So here's my advice there. My advice there, so a lot of barbershops, is you actually have to be gregarious and, and exciting enough to make that person enjoy the conversation as uh, well. Yeah, sure. Um, it's not the easiest thing to do, um, and but uh, it can definitely be done. I talked to a rep just recently, to, uh, shared a line with me that he uses where when he walks into a business in that situation, um, he walks in and the first thing he says is, you know, he walks in and says, hey, how's it going? You know, real, you know, oh, hey, right, big right. smile. And they're like, hey. And he's like, hey, I'm here with the bank. I'm giving away money today. 
<laughs> and he said, you know, everybody laughs. Everybody gets a kick out of that, you know, and then he gets into his presentation. And well, I, you know, and yeah, you know, well, now really the reason I stopped by and, and then he gets into it. Right, right. Now, unfortunately, you know, there's really only a couple of options here. And so the, the problem with his barber shop is that, you know, the barber is always cutting here. That's what he does. Right, right. right. So you have a couple of options. Um, one thing I will tell you, if you want a practical tip about this would be other than just going in there and giving it a shot would be um, look at what time the barber shop opens and come about 15 to 20 minutes earlier. Oh, uh, yeah. You'll actually find a lot of times the door is unlocked and the barber is there. He's mm-hmm. getting ready for the day. Sure. Um, And even I'll even knock on the door if it's locked. He's in there. You know, usually barber shops have glass and you can kind of see inside right. pretty easily. Um, so you can do that for the barbershops and that that will that will work as well. But again, I think the bottom line, and, and I understand how difficult it is because I'm I'm not that person. I'm not the people person that does that. Mm-hmm. But I had to learn how to do that to sell barbershops and places like that. Now, let's talk about auto repair. Auto repair shops are a very special case. I actually have made several videos just about that because they're, they're very interesting. So with auto repair shops, you really have to you know, take your confidence level up like through the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to take your dirt and smudge radar and, and turn it off. Okay? Right. So if, if you go into an auto repair shop and pitch the merchant services and you don't leave a little bit dirty, you did something wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, when I go in to a uh, you know, shop like that, one of the now again, for me, I, out in the field, I'm in central Pennsylvania here. If I'm going to go out to auto repair shops, you better believe I'm wearing jeans right. and maybe a collared shirt if they're lucky you know right right <laughs> if i'm feeling classy <laughs> um and so you know maybe a long sleeve tee if i'm not like i'm not going to be all fancy right. you know no. so when i walk in there the first thing i'm going to do is i'm going to walk right up to the guy who's doing the work and i'm going to shake his hand uh-huh. now that's not, everybody's like well of course no no you don't understand <laughs> yeah. you know most people don't do that <laughs> right because you walk in there and if you shake their hand and they'll even say because you'll be like hey how's it going you stick your hand out and they're like oh i'm i'm all you know, whatever. And, right. and I just say, don't worry about it, man. Give me a handshake and I'll just shake his hand. Like, uh-huh. I want to show them I'm fine. I could care less if my hand gets dirty. I'm not one of right. those kind of people. Right. 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 And I, that's I, really important, of course, when you're yeah. dealing with people like that. Yeah. You got to relate. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I go in, I'll shake their hand or I'll walk right up to them and just, you know, hey, how's everything going? You know, now. There are some special cases. There are situations where the um, you're, there's a sign that you're not allowed to go into the place where right, the owner is. Right. Um, and that's totally fine. Then what you do is you walk right up to the person that's there and say, "Hey, um, you know, uh, hey, I needed to talk real quick to the owner. Is it? I'm, I'm assuming he's probably out here in the shop, right?" And they're like, "Yeah, great. If you go grab him, just let him know I need like 30 seconds." And then when they come in, then you can crack a little joke if you want. But the jokes are maybe not as good here. It's it's you've got to be just super 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 confident. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I it's tough. And this get is, to the point. And get to the point very quickly. Yeah. Right. right. Um, and so. Um, one of the other things I'll tell you is I really, with auto repair shops, I steer clear of any of the cute phrases um, with them. I'm just ex- I like to be the most transparent, honest, um, potentially even negative <laughs> merchant sales rep that they've ever encountered. So when they come out and they're like, yeah, what's up? What do you need? They're usually pretty upset because they were in the middle of changing brakes or whatever. Right. And I'm like, hey, man, I, I would do credit card processing and I'm trying to lower rates for auto repair shops. Uh, are you guys happy with who you have? Like right mm-hmm. off the bat, let's get all the, you know, open the can of worms. Right. And they'll usually be like, uh, yeah, we're fine, man. We we don't need anything. Okay, cool. So let me do this. Let me just leave your proposal, have my pricing on it. Um, if it looks good, you know, give me a call. If not, don't worry about it. Fair enough? And they're like, sure, that's fine. Okay, cool. So what are you what are you paying now? Can I see a statement? 
and I just go right into getting the statement. And so I'm kind of using that negative where it's like I'm, I'm telling them I'm going to give them an out, but I'm not really. Uh-huh, uh, I'm just uh-huh. going to get the statement. I'm going to keep going with it. And so, you know, you can plan it out, but you really want to plan your approach to be very assumptive and give you that ability to, to dive in. Yeah. Yeah. OK. So now last one is a dentist. I'll cover it real quick. Uh, first of all, caveat here. I'm not very good at selling dentists. Um, I don't like selling dentists. Um, very difficult. So you have to go after the administrative, uh, uh, they call it the, uh, not the administrative assistant, they call it the uh, office administrator. There we right, go. Right. You have to go after the office administrator. It's been a little while since I tried to sell a dentist shop. <laughs> but uh, you go after the office administrator, and what you do with them is you have to identify what their pain point is. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have two different presentations. One is for the office administrator, one is for the dentist. Okay. So the office administrator, what they care about is things being organized. They care about things being taken care of. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times you can talk to them about the way they process payments. Right. They might have a pain point with the gateway they're using or it's not integrated with their current solution or something along those lines. Uh So you can talk to them more about that. Um, Treat them like just like you would a regular decision maker. Right. You know, then as you get through that part with them, then it's like, okay, great. Now I do need to talk about the numbers. Now, are you, can you make that decision on your own as far as actually making the decision to move forward or should we bring Dennis so-and-so into this conversation mm-hmm. and ask them? And so that, that question I just asked is really important because it's the way I word that, that it's like, I'm not asking, can I speak to the dentist? Right. I'm asking them if we, if we're going to move forward, do I need to speak to the dentist? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. right. Then when they say, well, yeah, he would need to be involved. Okay. Well, you've got a schedule there. Let me know when the next 20 minute slot is. I'll swing by. We can do this and get it done. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, so you you got to treat it that way. So again, each business type is very unique, very different, and I think uh, you got to think through your approach and make sure you got a good one. Good, good stuff, James. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production from greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com. We hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.